If you want to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we've been in our supernatural series. We've been unpacking the gifts of the Spirit. We've talked about three different types of gifts. If you're taking notes, the three different types of gifts, the manifestational gifts, so that's what we're continuing to march through in 1 Corinthians 12, the motivational gifts from Romans chapter 12. You're going to hear Pastor Joe Rhodes speak about that in several weeks, and so I'm looking forward to that sermon. And then the ministerial gifts, the the different church offices in Ephesians chapter 4. So these past several weeks, we've been marching through the manifestational gifts, these miraculous gifts. And Pastor Kendall, I heard, did an awesome sermon last week on words of knowledge and words of wisdom. The week before, I had spoken on the, or two weeks before, uh, it's spoken on the gift of tongues and interpretations of tongues. Uh, our board member, Joe Ewan, came and spoke on the gift of prophecy. Today, we want to speak on the gift of healing and miracles. So jump in here with me. Let's see the context of this. It says, now to each one, the manifestation, that's what we're talking about, manifestational gifts, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So these gifts, remember, They're given for the good of all people. To one there's given the message, the spirit of a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by the same spirit, to another faith by the spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, and to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. If you remember, we said the point of the gifts of the Spirit are not a badge of honor. They're not to draw attention to ourselves. The points of the gifts of the Spirit is to build up the body of Christ and to reach the lost. But today, as we hone in on the gifts of healing and the gifts of miracles, I want to begin by telling you a story from our own church. Several years ago, we had taken a large group from All People San Diego to work with our church in All People's Tijuana. We were in their facility, and in the mornings, we'd spend time worshiping, just like we did in this service. We'd spend time praying. We'd spend time being built up in the Word of God, and then in the afternoons, we'd go out to serve, and in the late afternoons and evenings, we'd do dramas and and music and draw crowds and share the gospel and pray for the sick. Well, One particular morning, we were having our our big team time. There were several hundred of us there, and we sensed that the Holy Spirit was saying, I want to heal, not just on the streets, but I want to heal this morning. And so we gave that word and said, if you uh, have something that you need to be healed of, we'd invite you to come forward. I'll never forget this young woman that came forward in in her early 20s and said, I am deaf in my right ear. I've been completely deaf since, I'm, since I was two, so over 20 years of complete deafness, but I have faith that God wants to heal me. Well, that's a big deal. And so a, a whole group of us gathered around her. We laid hands on her, and you never know what's going to happen. We pray for many sick people. In that moment, we experienced what felt like a surge of power. All of us could feel this power 
flood through our bodies, and it was very uh, apparent with her because her knees buckled and she cratered onto the ground. We thought, wow. As we helped her up, her eyes were like saucers, and she looked right at me and she said, please whisper something in my ear. Now, the music was, was still going, so it was already noisy in the room, so I got right into her right ear, and I said, can you hear me? About that loud. I'll never forget that noise after that. She screamed. And as she screamed, I got the goosebumps, maybe you call them the God bumps, and an awe just went through the congregation as she started yelling out, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. Her hearing had been restored in her ear in a moment from deaf to hearing. And what we saw was the personification of this verse in John chapter 14. Listen to what Jesus said. He says, believe in me when I say I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. You see that? Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. So first I want to talk about why miracles. Why miracles? Well, for several reasons. One, miracles are evidence. Jesus said, believe in me or at least believe in the evidence of the miracles themselves. Miracles demonstrate that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is the Lord of the earth and the Lord of the heavens. And miracles bring glory to God. He said it this way, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. Why? so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. Why are we a church that loves miracles? It's not because we love to be sensational. It's not because we love craziness. It's because we love when God gets glory. And miracles are something that only God can do. And it reveals his glory to a dark and broken and hurting world. And so we are a church that loves true God-glorifying miracles. So how can we see more miracles happen in our life? How can we see more miracles happen in our life? Wouldn't you love to live a life of miracles? Well, let's study the life of Jesus today. Let's look at lessons that we can learn from Jesus's miraculous life. Because as you just noticed, Jesus says this, he who believes in me will do what I've been doing. And so this is your birthright as a child of God. So let's dive into John chapter nine. We could take so many different scriptures from the life of Jesus. It's hard to look at a page of the gospels and not see a miracle. But let's take this one in John chapter 9. It says this. This is about Jesus. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. 
But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it in the man's eyes. Go, he told the man, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begged, asking, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then are your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes, and he told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Let's quickly look at some of the lessons learned. I encourage you to, to take notes from this because we want to be a, a church culture where miracles happen to help people and to give glory to God. So let's look at this beautiful story. Lesson one, miracles come in impossible and hopeless situations. The scripture says this man was born blind. That's an impossible situation. That's a challenging situation. I love this quote that says, everyone wants a miracle, but no one wants to be in the place where they have to have one. We all want a miracle, but no one wants to be in the place where we have to have one. I think of of John Pacilio, I, I traveled with him to El Salvador and we did uh, healing meetings. And you wonder, okay, so how does someone get into this? What you might not know is that John had an impossible situation. He had a health affliction that tormented him for years that made him have a desperate need for a miracle. Some, some people say, well, I, I don't need a miracle to believe. I don't, I, don't, I don't need to see something like that. You don't need it until you need it yourself. And then miracles become something that you're desperate for. Lesson number two, and this is so important, we see this when they say, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Jesus says this, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. Lesson number two, suffering isn't always due to sin. Suffering isn't always due to, to sin. I, I had a, a health affliction. Uh, if you've been in this church for any amount of time, you've, you've known that I almost died. I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be able to do what I do. I had ventricular tachycardia and arrhythmia that uh, put me in the hospital off and on for two years. I was a very sickly young man. And one of the worst things about having an affliction is not just having the affliction, but then tormenting yourself with condemnation, believing that you brought it on yourself. Now, of course, there are some things that we can do to ourselves that make ourselves suffer, but just because you're in an impossible situation doesn't mean you did something wrong. And the enemy loves to get in, to steal, kill, and destroy, and to condemn us. Remember, not, not having a house. Steph and I uh, bounced around between houses, even having to stay on people's couches with our, our, our family of six and I remember just, God, did we do something wrong? Are we in sin? I, just, people can find places to rent. Why can't we? Uh, 
and, and you start beating yourself up. But suffering isn't always the result of sin. So important for us to know, and we can condemn people when they come into a church in a major affliction, in a major time of suffering. Perhaps their child walked away from the Lord. Be careful before you say, well, it's something in your parenting. Or someone comes in with a, a, a sickness and say, well, there must be sin in your life. Let's find the sin and you'll be immediately healed. Jesus was saying, neither this man nor his parents sin. And look at the next point, point number three, impossible situations and resulting miracles are an opportunity for God to display his work in our lives. Jesus said this, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Many times we are in impossible situations because it is a God set up. In this world, you will have trouble. Without the impossible situation, we can't have the miracle. And so impossible situations you find yourself in, look around because perhaps it is the doorway to a miracle. Lesson number four. Lesson number four, and this is where we can really start focusing in because we want to be a, a, a church and we want to be a culture of miracles. Lesson number four, miracles are often released through an act of faith by the one ministering. So if you notice, Jesus doesn't have just a, a standard uh, MO, modus operandi, of walking in miracles. So this one guy who is born blind, you think, okay, well, what is Jesus gonna do? Well, of course, he's just gonna lay hands on the guy. No, instead, Jesus spits, right? This is not something you think of. You, you go to the church, the priest is in flowing robes, standing nobly behind the lectern, and then he goes, no, that, and yet, this is what Jesus does. He, he spits in the mud, and then he takes some. I mean, think how offensive that was, right? Jesus, I need help. <laughs> what was Jesus doing? Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing in John chapter 5. It was an act of faith. There was nothing healing. I've actually heard like a sermon talking about the healing properties of mud and spit. Um, I don't believe that was what was going on. If it was, then why did Jesus tell him to then go wash in the pool of Siloam? No, Jesus was doing an act of faith. I remember being in uh, a city in Turkey that hadn't had believers for 500 years, and we were there for a month and just not seeing anything happen. And then one evening as we're seeking the Lord, just saying, God, we, we, this, this city hasn't had a church in 500 years. What do we do? We felt like the Lord said, go to the center of the city, take flashlights there, march around the fountain between the main mosque and city hall, march around, worship, and then turn on your flashlights, symbolizing that light has come. Oh, come on, Lord, that's weird. I mean, that's kooky, that's... We did it, and the next day, the first man was healed, which led to numerous people being saved, which led to our first baptisms, which led to a church being planted, and it's still there today. Right, We respond, faith often comes through an act of obedience responding to the voice of God. Lesson number five, an act of faith in the recipient of the miracle is often the catalyst for a miracle. So Jesus did something unusual. He spits in the ground. 
takes it, he puts mud on the man's eye, but then he tells the man to do an act of faith. Now go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Can't you see the guy going, well, can I just like go over to John's house? He, he has some water I can swallow. Do I really need to go? Like, I'm, I'm blind. That's going to be challenging. I got to go. I've got to get someone to take me there. And then I need to go and jump in the pool of Siloam. And I need to, and yet what does the man do? Right? It, how interesting. It's after he washed. So Jesus did an act. But that's not immediately when his sight was restored. His sight was restored when he got into the pool. And it takes faith often to receive a miracle, right? We, 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 we have ministry time at the end of the service, and we have to decide, okay, gosh, am I willing to take a step of faith and step out of my seats? And people might see me as I come forward. And what if it doesn't happen? And yet we, we take a step of faith and come forward. We ask someone, we let someone lay hands on them. I don't even know this person. I don't know this stranger. Uh, you know, I, I, but, but I'm going to do it. Or, or perhaps it's what Steph was talking about, giving our tithes and offerings. I'll never forget uh, a, a young single mother who was really struggling financially and in debt. And she heard a message on tithing and how the scripture says, bring your first fruits into the storehouse. Test me in this. And she's like, how can I do that when I don't even have the finances to pay all my bills for me and my children? And yet she goes, okay, I'm gonna put faith in the word of God. She did that. I'll never forget the, the letter I received when she said, thank you for teaching me a life of faith and finances. Now I actually have the best job I've ever had in my life. And we are buying our first home for me and my by children, and she was giving glory to God, but she had to take that step of faith and going, I'm gonna listen to God's word even when it seems impossible, and everything in the natural tells me not to do this. Number six, I really don't like this one, although I've been this one at times. Lesson six, there will always be people, be those who discount miracles. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. No, that guy named John with that beard and wearing that same tunic, it just, it's his stunt double. Just doppelganger. This looks a lot like the blind man, but that's not him. I'll, I'll never forget when we first started really seeing Miracle, Stephanie and I were leading trips to different nations, and we had gone on this one trip to Juarez, Mexico, and I mean, it was so dramatic. One of our, our young men had prayed for a man who came in on a cane, and by the end, this man on a cane had given his cane to us, and he's dancing around, and we were just going, what in the world is is going on, and I mean, just miracle after miracle. One, uh, uh, two gangs had come to about to start fighting, and one of our young men actually got down on his knees and said, "Don't kill each other, kill me." And I was like, "No, <laughs> what am I going to tell your parents?" And at the end of it, about half of each gang was on their knees, giving their lives to Jesus with this young man. Just miracle of God from almost a gang fight to a, a massive gospel response. We came back telling those stories and the response was crazy. Some people were drawn in and said, I have to see those things. Other people were repelled and said, you guys are liars 
and you're making this all up. That can't be true. Uh, they started writing articles about us, just sl slandering our reputation. People that I'm like, you don't even, like, why do you hate us so much? <laughs> There'll always be people that stand against miracles, that discount them and even persecute you when you believe in them. But number seven, number seven is beautiful. It's this, miracles result in people talking about the power of Jesus. Listen to this, but he himself insisted. So they just said, no, this isn't the man. He just looks at like him. He says, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, the man they call Jesus. You see, miracles make people talk about Jesus. That's why we love miracles. The man they call Jesus put some mud on my eyes. He told me to go to the Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Church family, never stop talking about the miracles you've seen. Because it gives glory to God and brings people to him in their time of need. I've talked a lot about healing. I just want to finish this message by talking about other types of miracles that we see in the scripture. This isn't a comprehensive list, but I just want to bring some of them up because they just open our eyes and open our heart to believe for God to do things that are impossible. Other types of miracles, resurrections. Resurrections. Jesus raised a couple of different people from the dead, then his followers, Peter and Paul, raised people from the dead. I've, I've never seen this before. I hope to see this uh, in my time on earth. But one of my dear friends that I walk with closely, Pastor Tommy Miller over at Word of Life Church, tell, told me a story of sitting. We were, Tommy and I were having, having a lunch, and I said, Tommy, I, I know you've seen great miracles. I just love to hear about what God has done Tell me something that God has done. He goes, well, I'll never forget sitting in a restaurant and a woman busts through the door screaming that her baby had just died. And he goes, she runs in and I, I see um, this, this child that's turned blue, it's not breathing. And he goes, my wife just looks at me and says, do something. And he's like, wife, I'm not a medic. I'm not a doctor. She goes, do something. And he's like, and he said, I just stood there and she just kept like on me. Obviously God was prompting her. She's like, do something. So he's like, yes. And so he said, I got up, I took the, took the baby and laid hands on it and said, baby, breathe in Jesus' name. And in a moment, that breath was restored to that child. The heartbeat started again. The whole restaurant was in awe. The woman started just thanking him profusely. And he said, in that moment, I said, woman, it's not me. That's Jesus. Um, is every dead person going to be raised? Of course not. Uh, the, the Bible says there is a, uh, a time appointed for every one of us to die. Steph and I actually just came back from a funeral of, of a dear friend who had been in this church for years who died on an early death. And so are we saying that every time someone dies, we need to go after a resurrection? Of course that's not. But there are set and appointed times where God wants to demonstrate his glory through resurrections. Uh, here's the second one, miraculous protection. Numerous times in scripture, the people of God would look like they're about to be obliterated, and then God would do something 
amazing. Sometimes he'd turn the enemy on itself. He did that for the, the children of Israel numerous times. Sometimes they would get a report or they'd see angels protecting them. There's so many different scriptures. This is one of the things I pray for. I, and sometimes we feel silly. Sometimes we feel like, am, what, am I just praying like this, this crazy prayer? Some of you have heard me tell the story about walking in the mountains on a hike and going, I just, I, I have this sense I need to pray protection, the blood of Jesus over me and my family in just all we do. And so I start praying that. And haven't you ever had this where you're praying something, you're like, I pray the blood of Jesus to protect me. And then you're like, what am I doing? I'm praying blood right now. This is so weird, right? And I, I was just overwhelmed with doubt. And in that moment, I get from here closer to the first uh, row of chairs and this massive bush just starts shaking and out from the bush jumps a mountain lion, a massive mountain lion. And I thought, oh no. And in that moment, the mountain lion goes and runs away from me. Now, if you know mountain lions, they, they, they know when you're around for 100 yards before you ever see them. That mountain lion was waiting for me. The second it ran away, I went, I started jumping up and down. It works. Praying the blood of Jesus works. <laughs> uh, come to find out there had been numerous mountain lion sightings. Numerous people had lost their livestock. My brother-in-law had a harrowing encounter with a mountain lion. And yet God was protecting me. I encourage you, pray for miraculous protection over yourself, over your family, over this church. God loves to bring his miraculous protection their breakthrough miracles. You remember that, that how, how, did, how did the walls of Jericho come down? It wasn't through forming catapults and a big military onslaught. What did they do? They marched around the city seven times and blew trumpets. What a brilliant military strategy, right? But then what happened? Joshua and his army, they blow the trumpets and the walls come down. There is a miraculous breakthrough. Uh, one of the great stories that we're still in process for, and sometimes you feel foolish when you're waiting for your miracle, but is the journey of us getting our land in, for us, what is exceedingly and abundantly more than we could have ever asked or imagined. We had told uh, realers we wanted to be in this area we needed uh, to, to have a place to build a church for generations, and they said nothing existed. They said, that's what you're looking for. We had the best realtors in the, in the whole Southern California region. They said, it does not exist. It was interesting, one of our board members challenged, he spoke specifically to me and Kendall, and he said, I, I just want to challenge you to align with the Word of God and God's heart for his people, the Jewish people, and for Israel. And that's just not something that we had grown up with. Uh, we were a nation's people, but we had never been Israel people. And we said, okay, talk to us about it. And he specifically talked about the scripture that says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. If it prospers, then you will prosper. And he went through person after person that we really respected, like Hudson Taylor and Count Ludwig von Zinzendorf and all of these leaders through the years who had actually, uh, George Mueller, who had contended for Israel. And so we said, you know what? We'll do it. We'll, we'll, we want to rightly align with God's heart. So we said, 
This week, we're going to start giving to Israel. We're going to give to the poor in Israel, and we're going to start praying for Israel. And immediately, we get this call. There's six acres on the freeway directly across from San Diego State for sale. And then someone saying, and I'll step forward and give you over a million dollars to buy it. What we were told didn't exist and, and what we for sure didn't have money for in a moment, a miraculous breakthrough. There's miracles of nature, miracles of nature. Uh, Elijah prayed and a cloud formed on a completely sunny day and he rained. He was fed by ravens. Uh, the sun stood still for the, the children of Israel. One of the great miracles that we have, bringing up Kendall again. Kendall was leading an outreach in Lebanon in the Middle East trying to do an outreach. People weren't really paying any attention, weren't really stopping. They prayed, God, would you move? God, would you do something? And we'll still never fully understand it, although we do have the picture of a light in the heavens that just came over them. They still don't know what it was. Maybe it was a military experiment. Maybe it was a UFO. I don't know. But what I do know is that people just started gathering and staring up in heaven they did their drama, preached the gospel, and they had an unprecedented response of people coming to Jesus. Miracles of nature. There's miraculous provision. Miraculous provision. Manna being given in the desert. Jesus multiplying food. Elijah seeing oil multiplied. I love this story uh, of one of our church planners. He and his wife now are in Oaxaca, but he needed $20,000 to do his internship in Indonesia and just was like, Lord, I have no, there's no way I can raise that kind of money. He prayed and he got selected to go on the prices Right. Then he gets selected to be a contestant. Then he wins the showcase showdown. <laughs> Sold all the goods and had all the money, almost to the dollar that he needed for his internship. God can use a game show. <laughs> Let's be people who believe for miraculous provision. And, and lastly, um, there's so many more that I could share, but in interest of time, uh, there's national miracles. There's national miracles. If you study the Christian history of our nation, you'll find these incredible miracles of, of what God did for people to bring incredible breakthroughs, Where, whether it was Harriet Tubman and the, and, the, and the incredible ways that God would supernaturally lead her for the deliverance of slaves, whether it was George Washington and his coat, not of many colors, of many holes, in war where there were so many bullet holes but not one wound on his body. There's all of these national miracles. Here's a great one. Um, before Hawaii was a state in the United States, it was a nation. It was the Sandwich Islands. And here, here we are standing before this church when, when, the, when Titus Cone went to Hilo where Billy and Helenka are, there were 33 people in this church. Uh, we went to this church and visited it because in one year, this tiny church saw 5,000 people give their lives to Jesus. And this island chain where human sacrifice was common and people were being uh, brutally murdered by warring tribes, 
the vast majority of the whole nation came to Jesus in the Great Awakening. And you know, that's what we're believing for again in our nation, amen? So many of you saw the Jesus Revolution movie and people said it's impossible for hippies to come to Jesus. These people that are celebrating, some of you are laughing because you still have long hair in your heart even though you look very clean cut. <laughs> You know, a people who are just into to, to free sex and, and drugs and casting off all restraint, how can they be people who honor Jesus? And yet, God visited in a miraculous way and brought not dozens, not hundreds, not just thousands, millions of people to Jesus. Um, the, the country of Israel is a miracle. I love that that the, the David Ben-Gurion, the first prime minister of Israel, says the only rational way to see Israel is you have to believe in miracles. Because in a day it was reborn. No time in history has a nation died and for 2,000 years been dispersed and then in a day come back. And on that day, it came back. Six nations that were much bigger surrounded it. Six warring nations with militaries over 10 times bigger, with all kinds of, of, of warfare weapons, and only a third of the Israelites even had guns. And they came and said, we actually are set on exterminating, if you read it, exterminating these people. And that tiny nation not only was rebirthed in a day, but won the war. Our God is a God of miracles. He wants to work miracles in this church. He wants to work miracles in your life. He wants to work a miracle in our nation and the nations of the world. Why don't we stand up?